0: all right well good morning again and i want to say some thank yous as well um because we've had we've had a lot of challenges recently so the, we were actually the church was broken into a couple of weeks ago and a laptop was stolen and uh so um you know we need to pray for that individual you know nothing bad happens to them um <laughs> You could see my facial expression when I said that. That's the problem. That's why you're laughing. Okay. So, but we had we, they, that caused us a lot of technical problems, especially last week. So I want to say a special thank you to everyone on our technical team, all the people back there, but especially Zach Jarrett and especially, especially Taylor Austin for all his help. Let's give those guys a big thank you. Big round of applause. <laughs> I, I, the, the technology we use is wonderful. It helps us reach more people. It helps us do all kinds of cool stuff. But it's a pain in the butt when it goes wrong, right? So. Uh, There was definitely some Christmas miracles that happened last week as it relates to our our technology. So hopefully everything's a bit smoother today. Uh, But again, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, I'm excited for today because we're doing our baby dedications. We'll be doing that towards the end of the service. So please stick around uh, for that. Um, Also, we uh, are starting a new series today called Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. This is a three-part series that we're doing. Uh, and we're gonna be, and if you're joining us online for this series, go ahead and make sure you hit the like button and subscribe, help helps boost it to more people. But we're doing this Peace on Earth series because we want to look at uh, the coming, the, the meaning behind the coming of Jesus. What does it mean that Jesus was born, that God became man? Peace on Earth, this idea of Jesus bringing peace on Earth, this is to do with peace between us and God. Jesus, of course, does call us. He says, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. So we are supposed to um, bring peace on earth in terms of there being less rivalry and less conflict and less wars and those, you know, God obviously wants that as well. But God works sometimes through those things. The biggest peace that Jesus came to bring was salvation, the peace between, the reconciliation between us and between God. And the way that uh, throughout the ages, throughout biblical history, that God has brought about this peace is uh, in particular through three roles that you see popping up time and again through biblical history that culminate in the person of Jesus. And these three roles are that of prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. So we have the prophets of old. And uh, this, well, this this series that we're doing actually is going to be uh, for three weeks of the series, we're going to be looking through. Today's going to be prophet. Next week's going to be priest. And then the third one on Christmas Eve will be, um, will be king. But the prophets of old, we had, uh, for example, you've got Nathan, who uh, was one of the prophets. He called out uh, David's sin. You have priests like uh, Ab- Abiathar. You have then kings like King David himself. The prophet spoke on behalf of God. The priests made sacrifices for the people's sins. And the kings ruled with uh, justice and brought about safety uh, for God's people. And so God has always used these leadership roles to bring about stability, safety in a people group, especially in his uh, people group of, of ancient Israel in the Bible. I would argue that every culture needs these three roles to actually be righteous and to do God's will. You need the truth speakers. You need the prophets who will talk about the dishonesty and the lies of the culture and the, um, the deceptions in the culture. They'll, they'll, they'll speak truth to power in one sense. You need those prophet type characters. You need the priests, the people that actually talk about how to be redeemed, how to be made right with God. And then you need the kings. You need those who govern well, who actually bring about um, peace and prosperity and justice and security uh, to, to the citizens. And so in Jesus, in the person of Jesus, what we see is we see these three leadership roles of a prophet, priest, and king. We see them culminating in this one person in the greatest story of Jesus. So everything that came before Jesus was pointing to him. So we see these examples throughout the scripture. We see that comes to completion in Jesus. And then everything since Jesus points back to him as being this, this great figure. Even the gifts that were given to Jesus uh, at, his, at his birth, right? These, the wise men came with these three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold was given, was his fitting for a king. Frankincense was what the priests would burn when they made sacrifices in the temple. And then myrrh is actually an embalming um, resin, and that was a prophetic gift, depicting and indicating the death that Jesus himself would have. So today we're talking about prophet, the idea of Jesus being a prophet. What does that mean to us? Next week, as I said, we'll be talking about Uh, Priest, And then uh, the third part of this, Christmas Eve, will be king. And I just want to say very quickly, please join us for our Christmas Eve Advent service. It's going to be a very special service that we're doing. It will not be in person. It will be online only. So December 24th, 5.30. Uh, Join us on YouTube. It'll be great to see everyone. I think it'll be a great way for our church to honor Jesus together, get on there and get on the chat and say hi to everybody. Uh, but please join us for our Christmas Eve service. We're going to have, we'll be doing the Advent, we'll be doing the candles, we'll, do, we'll be doing carols. Um, our kids are going to be reading the, the uh, birth of Jesus from, uh, from the Gospels, and uh, that'll be you know almost as cute as watching cat videos, so you definitely don't want to miss that. And my wife will be doing the message that on that service as well, so please join us. We'll be premiering that uh, online only on December 24th. Today, when you came in, you probably smelled something a bit strange. Maybe you can smell it right now. You're like, that's a very strong perfume that somebody's wearing today. What you're smelling is myrrh. It's, we're diffusing it. I didn't want to actually like set anything on fire in here because we do have sprinklers. Um, so we're diffusing myrrh. Next week, we'll be doing frankincense. But I wanted to really create more of an atmosphere of what does it mean that th- this prophetic... Gift that Jesus was given when he was born that indicated that he was gonna die, that myrrh represents that, 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 that embalming resin, that, that death that he would uh, endure. So as you think about today, and think about the implications of the message today, attach it to that smell. Every time you smell myrrh in the future, think back to this is the point, this is why this gift was given uh, to Jesus at his birth. In the same way that what the scripture says that Jesus is the king of kings, We can say this, we can say he's the priest of priests and he's the prophet of prophets. Let's pray and then we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Jesus, thank you that you're with us. I pray today you'd help us understand what it means that you are the prophet of prophets. That you fulfill this role, this important leadership role. Help us to hear your voice, the prophetic voice that you speak. Help us to hear that. Help us to understand it. Help us to find our meaning in you as we celebrate your birth, thank you for coming, thank you for being born in our likeness, in our frailty, and saving us of our sin. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two says this, it says, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) No, that's not in the Bible. All right, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. This is God's word. One of the cool things about Christianity, one of the core things about Christianity is that we have a speaking God. We have a communicating God. The reason the Bible has so much content in it, the reason it has so much variety in it, the reason it's so long, is because God has a lot to say to us. He has a lot to say to us, and he's revealed it. And, and, and the scripture's telling us here, over many seasons, over many time periods, in many ways, God has spoken. And he's spoken, spoken most clearly through the prophets. So we're talking about people like Moses, who was the first and one of the greatest prophets. People like Samuel people like Isaiah, many more prophets that we could speak of. Their words, the words that they spoke on behalf of God and their lives, the circumstances around their lives, are recorded for us in the Old Testament. That's the first big chunk of the Bible. All the stories, all the things that happened, all the the words that God gave them, it's recorded for us. So we can look back and we can read it and we can understand what was going on. We can study and learn about God and what. What is God interested in, what's he like, what's he saying, what's he doing, what's he up to? We can learn all of that history because it's recorded for us. But the book of Hebrews in the Bible itself in the New Testament is telling us now, okay, that was how God was speaking and that's how God was working, but now something's changed, something new has happened. You gotta get used to different, something different's happening with the coming of Jesus. Now with the coming of Jesus, God himself has spoken most directly, most clearly, through the coming of Jesus and what the coolest thing about this is that Jesus reveals to us that it's it's not that the prophets of old like Moses and Samuel and Elijah and Isaiah and all these different guys it's not saying that like all oh, the message they had or the mission they had it wasn't really right or it was something wrong with it or it was bad in some way actually the 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 mission and the message that Jesus came shows that everyone's saying the same thing everyone's saying the same thing it was just There was just a period of time where all of these things were popping up, pointing to the person of Jesus. And so all the prophets that came before Jesus were pointing to this great ultimate prophet type person, Jesus himself, who would come. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24, verse 27, Jesus says this to some of his disciples. It says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus is taking them through a Bible study and saying, hey, you know about this this thing that Moses said or this thing that Moses did or this thing that this prophet did or this other guy, all the different things that happened in the ancient scriptures, all these things over thousands of years, that one was about me. That one over there was about me. This one as well was about me. That's what Jesus is doing. It's about him, but he's not just another prophet in the line of prophets who speak on behalf of God. have messages from God. He's not just another one, or even the greatest, he's actually even not the greatest one. That's actually the wrong way to put it. He is the prophet of prophets, but in this sense that he's the source of all the words that the prophets have ever spoken. He has, he's the one that generated all the words in the first place. So it means he's far superior than any of those previous prophets. In, In the gospel of John, just coming to mind, the first verse there, the famous opening to John, what does it say? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Saying this prophetic Word, this Word is Jesus. And uh, John there is using the, the Greek word logos, so the word word, the word word, when he says that the flesh became, you know, the Word became flesh. That word is the word logos. That's where we get our word logic from. So he's using that word intentionally. He's writing to non-Jewish Audience, a lot of Greek uh, influence, and our culture is very much influenced by uh, Greek philosophy and Greek thinking. And so, this is helpful for us too. But the word to say to say that that the word became flesh, to say that logic or the logos became flesh. What he's saying is that cultures that prize reason as the the the, the highest goal and the the most important thing you and that's what the greeks did the the reason was was the the principle behind the order of the universe there's nothing greater than reason or logic and it means much more than just just logic but he's saying it's not just an abstract idea it's a person word reason rationale itself doesn't just it's not just a, a blunt truth in the universe Reason itself is a person who communicates, who speaks, and has come in the person of Jesus. I've got three things I want to look at as we look at the, the, the prophets of old to understand what it means to be a prophet and then understand how Jesus surpasses all of them. And these are Christmas themed because it's Christmas time. So we're going to look at how uh, prophets reveal the truth of the past, they reveal the truth of the future, and the, uh, sorry, they reveal the truth of the past, the present, and the future. So it's kind of like the, the, the ghost of Christmas, right? So firstly, prophets reveal the truth of the past. Prophets reveal the truth of the past. It's believed uh, that Moses wrote the, as the first great prophet, that he actually wrote the creation accounts in Genesis at the beginning of the Bible. And of course, nobody was there to witness it. So so, so God had to tell somebody how it happened and people will say, it's Moses looking back, getting revelation from God, looking back and telling us, giving us insight into the creation of the world, how it was made. We also already, already mentioned Nathan. Nathan called out the past sins of King David and confronted him about those sins. Daniel interpreted one of King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams that he'd had in the past. The Psalms, many of the Psalms in the Bible, the worship book of the Bible, the Psalms, they look back, oftentimes explaining Israel's history, talking about their freedom from slavery, talking about what that meant, revealing God's work through all of that that, that freedom, that, that, that uh, redemption that they experienced, essentially. And it's so important that those prophetic voices raised up, that they were raised up by God, and that they spoke so that the people could actually understand their identity, because if you don't understand your past, you don't understand why something's happened to you, you can draw the wrong conclusions about your identity and who you are. And so the prophets were sent by God, people with messages by God recorded in scripture over thousands of years, in part to identify and explain and give meaning to what had happened already in the past. To look back and say this is what is happening, to give identity. But the other reason the prophet spoke about the past is to confront sin. For there to be peace, For Jesus to be the peacemaker, to bring peace on earth, you have to first confront the sins of the past. Every generation needs this, every individual needs this, and this is the work of prophets, is to point out the destructive things that have happened in the past and to call people back to repentance. And the Bible's telling us Jesus is the voice behind all of those voices, and the reason it matters so much is because if we don't see it this way, then really the Bible remains kind of almost dead to us but once we once we see the voice the, the, the voice of Jesus is coming through on every page it makes it alive to us let me put it this way some movies there are some movies that they that they're great movies but but as you're watching it you're like confused because you're like what this is happening and I don't understand this and then at the end of the movie there's a massive reveal that happens that changes the whole movie so you can think of some classics right like six sense or Fight Club, not that I recommend watching any of these movies. This is not recommendations. I'm just saying from what I've been told by other people. Um, Memento might be another one as well. But there are certain movies that you, you watch them the first time through, and they're good movies, but you're like scratching your head. And then at the end, you say, oh, my gosh, the whole thing is different. The Bible's kind of like that in some sense that maybe the first time through, you're like, I don't get it. It's, it's confusing, it's, it's complicated, there's all this stuff, all this cultural, historical stuff, I just don't get a different language, different, I just don't understand. Some of these things are even offensive, like what's going on here? But then you get to the big reveal at the end and you suddenly, the penny drops, it clicks and you realize, oh, I should have been reading it with this hero Jesus lens thing. I should have put that lens on it, which is, that's not a human interpretation, that's what the Bible, that's how the Bible itself tells us it should be read. And if we miss that, then the scriptures will be kind of dead to us, will be kind of strange to us. And, and people, are, people are, it's funny to me, you know, people who have rarely picked up a Bible or read anything, you know, they're kind of confused why people are so in love with the Bible, why it's still the number one selling book, why people's lives and entire cultures have been transformed and changed by the Bible. It's because they're not reading it with this hero Jesus lens, that he's on every page, that it's all pointing towards him. That all these prophetic voices and promises that came were just foreshadowings and echoings of him and then everything that came after him is just pointing back to what he did and what he said. He's the center of it all. But there's, there's a profoundly personal reason why we need to understand scripture this way and understand Jesus as being the prophet of prophets is because he, he helps to interpret our past so that we know our true identity, but also he confronts our sin and for anyone who's you know a born-again Christian, we've all had moments, maybe a one big moment or maybe several moments, but we have these ongoing moments where we come under conviction of sin. This is one of the marks of being a Christian, is that you come under the conviction of sin. So if you don't know what I'm talking if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, that could be a sign that you're not actually a follower of Christ. But you come under a conviction of sin where you realize something is revealed to you in your past, maybe patterns or behaviors or things that have been said or done where you realize that wasn't just, that wasn't just like an incorrect thing to do. That was wrong. I was wrong. And then, and then you, you repent. You, you confess it to God, you confess it to others, you turn from it. That's that's part of the Christian journey is, is having you, you die in that way over and over again. You're kind of dying to yourself all the time and being reborn in Christ, being made alive in Christ, constantly being reformed into his image. And so it has such a, a powerful personal implication for us that we've got to be listening to the prophetic voices that speak so that we understand our past and the identity that we have in God. We also understand our own sin and how we need to turn from that and make that right with God and with other people. Because our past is full of things, right? It's full of deceptions and lies and it's full of dishonesty and addiction. It can be full of all these terrible things, all these compromises that we've perhaps made or things that we said we'd never do but then we found ourselves doing. We find, you know, we, human beings are the best. We're absolute geniuses at justifying things that w- one time we would have said were, were wrong and perhaps in the future we'll call out and say, well, that person shouldn't be doing that. But when it comes to us, we'll justify it will justify it but, but somebody who's coming into faith will, will feel the heaviness and the weight of their sin and be aware because, and the reason you feel that is because you're coming closer to God and God is so holy so holy that when you c- get closer to God you become suddenly so much more aware of your own wrongdoing and, and how bad you really are and how much you need a savior so how's Jesus how is Jesus the prophet of prophets what does he what does he do with the woman at the well He reveals her past to her. She goes and tells everyone, this man told me everything I ever did. Prophecy prophets look back. They reveal the truth of the past. What did Jesus do with Zacchaeus? He ends up Zacchaeus, he draws out of Zacchaeus all of this confession of sin, of cheating people over a lifetime. What does he do with marriage? People are doing stupid things with marriage and divorce. And Jesus says, no, I'm gonna explain to you what actually it meant from the beginning. This is what it means. Same thing with the Sabbath. They messed up the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna reveal to you the past. This is what it should, this is what it's always meant and what it should mean. Jesus, time and again, what did he say? He he kept telling people the things that were happening to him had to happen so that the scriptures could be fulfilled. Jesus is constantly looking back and saying, this is what's happened in the past. This defines our movement, our trajectory, but it defines our identity and and God's work now. This has to happen to fulfill the past. Jesus was always saying that. And so there are things in our own lives that Jesus can give identity to, but also can convict of. And there's, there's no other way to be free of the darkness than to come into the light of Jesus. And that's what Christmas time, that's why we, we forget our history, we forget our traditions, but that's why we put lights everywhere, that's why we light candles, that's why the, that's why we light everything up, is because, and every time you turn on a light for Christmas, you should think, it should be a reminder to each of us, and I wanna do this more, but every time we turn on the lights, we have to think this, is, this represents the light of Christ in contrast to my sin, that his light shines into my heart and frees me of my sin. Let's stop running from our past because a prophet, a prophet comes and a prophet is so annoying because they won't let us escape from the past. They will not let us, you cannot escape your past. The only way to, to deal with it is to be redeemed of it and only Jesus can do that. So we have gotta confess and turn to him. The second thing, the prophets of old, is that prophets reveal the truth of the present. They reveal the truth of the present. So time and time again, God sent prophets to do important things in the here and now, to guide people in the here and now. So Moses was sent to release God's children from slavery. We see Samuel rejected King Saul for being an evil king and then anointed David as the future king. We see Elijah uh, exposed the, the, the false prophets of, of Baal We see Jonah was sent to preach to Nineveh, a message that they could immediately respond to and and turn from their, their evil ways. We see Elisha bringing a dead boy back to life. We see even John the Baptist, who's not quite an Old Testament prophet, but very similar in the same kind of vein of that. At the beginning of the New Testament, John the Baptist, he came saying, basically, the Savior is here. He's imminent, he's amongst us. His message is now, it's for now. This is what prophets do. They don't just look back and explain the past and and bring conviction of sin for the past, but they say this is what God is doing right now and how we need to respond to it in the here and now. And we need this so badly because in the midst of things, it's really hard for us to actually hear God's voice if we're in difficult trying circumstances and difficult things, it's, we can be, like I said, we can be compromised, we can be deceived by things, we can be fearful, we can be afraid, we can make the wrong choice. And God in his kindness will speak prophetically and send, send those messages to us to say, this, in the here and now, this is how you need to respond, this is how you need to take action. At Trinity, we take this pretty seriously. So there are some verses in the New Testament, in the book of Corinthians specifically, that talk about church services and how, in a church service, you wanna make space for God to speak. Everything can't just be completely ordered, predetermined, and you just run the system. That's That's not actually a great way to have a relationship with God. So we do have things we plan ahead of time, but we also make space for God to speak to people. And so you won't see it every week, not every person can share but we have times during some of our singing parts of our worship where people will get up to the microphone and we make sure that we know and trust those people and that what they're going to say is biblical and that it's for the right time that it fits in the service right now but we want to hear from God because God still speaks prophetically he still guides in the here and the now we we're so we're so distressed at our present day circumstances sometimes and struggling with anxiety or struggling with thoughts or whatever it might be we're struggling with that we have to make room to hear a word from God that can break us out of that and can help us actually do the work that God calls us to right now. So this is why Jesus is the prophet of prophets because Jesus, when you read it in the New Testament, this is what Jesus does. He, he knows what people are thinking in the moment and even will reveal it, people's thoughts to them. He says to the disciples to cast their their, their net on the other side of the boat because there's a, a big catch of fish, a bigger catch of fish on the other side. Jesus knows in the here and now exactly the right thing to do. He speaks for the word and heals the sick. He tells parables that were perfectly tuned and perfectly set up to help the people of his day with the issues they were facing. And actually, they're so genius, they still work for all the time. But Jesus, his, in his teaching with Zacchaeus, what did he say to Zacchaeus? He said, today I'm coming to your house. What did he say to the thief on the crossed next to him. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. This is what prophets do, and Jesus is the ultimate expression of this because he came, he was born as a baby, born in a very human way, in a very vulnerable, very fragile way, came into our moment, came into the, we've all been there, unless you're an alien, any aliens, we've all been there, and Jesus was there too, born as this little innocent baby, vulnerable child. Now, we're not all knowing. We're not, we can't discern our own thoughts at times, and so we need the voice of Jesus to guide us and to help us. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word. So that's Jesus is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He guides us in the here and the now. The third thing of the prophets of old is this, is, is that the prophets reveal the truth of the future. Many examples of this. As we said, Moses is, is referred to as the greatest prophet. But even Moses himself said that one would come who was greater than him. He predicted, that was his big, big prediction. There would be a prophet that would come that would be even more powerful than him and that was fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jeremiah predicted the, the time of the exile of the people of Israel. Isaiah predicted the suffering servant who would come sacrifice himself for sinners. Ezekiel uh, predicted the, the, the reconciliation of, of God's people and the restoration of God's people. Daniel prophesied the, the, the collapse of, of empires. Uh, Joel prophesied the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. We see that in the book of Acts. We see all these predictions coming true. Jesus himself predicted his own death and his resurrection. He predicted the destruction of the temple, which happened in AD 70, after his own life and ministry. He predicted that that would happen and it came to pass. He predicted that Peter would deny him three times. Jesus prophesied these things. He even gave details about how Peter would even die. Jesus gave teachings on the end times as well, even predicting that one of his own disciples would betray him, which came true as well. Jesus knows the future, and he knows more of the future than anyone else. Now, God, on purpose, will not tell us things about the future, and that's good for us. We wouldn't be able to handle it. We need faith to trust him. But, but, in his mercy and his kindness, he still tells us things about the future, and he does it for a couple of important reasons. Jesus, as the prophet of prophets, reveals to us the truth about what is to come, in one sense, to warn us. He wants us to know, you're gonna suffer for my name. You're gonna be persecuted for my name. There's gonna be wolves in sheep's clothing. There's gonna be temptations coming your way. He wants us to be warned and to know the things that are ahead of us. And so he speaks that to us because he wants us to avoid evil and temptation. He wants us to be saved from that. And so Jesus reveals to us things about the future. And the more we listen to that voice, the more we can actually avoid those traps and those temptations and those deceptions and those things that take us off track, the more, if only we'll listen, if only we'll listen to the voice of Christ. That's the ultimate way that God has spoken directly to us. See, it's not just, just I'm gonna send another prophet. It's no, I'm gonna come myself as the voice. It's not just, I'm gonna keep using priests. It's like, no, I'm gonna be the sacrifice myself. It's not just, I'm gonna raise up kings and use them. It's like, no, the king, I, I am the king, and I'm gonna come myself and lead you and guide you in the here and the now. The other reason that Jesus reveals some of the future to us, which is why our ears, what what was Jesus always saying? He's always saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the reason Jesus said that over and over and over again, after he taught a parable, he would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The reason is, is because, and we know this is so true of our time, you can hear the words, but you miss the meaning. You hear the words, but you miss the meaning. And so understanding the meaning, Seeking the Holy Spirit, seeking God for the meaning. What does it mean? Here's the other thing, why Jesus reveals the future to us at times. It's for the reason of hope. We've learned this as well, haven't we, over the last couple of years. If you don't have an idea of the future that's better, you, even, even the most stable, most positive person can make terrible decisions and be stuck in depression. We've seen this happen time and time again. Some of it's happened in our own lives, some of it's happened to other people. Jesus paints this glorious picture, this prophetic image of the future. Not just blessings and eternal rewards for the good things we do, but an eternal security in him a coming kingdom, the kingdom of God that we'll live in forever with him. This, this future, this hope. Without Jesus, that's why we need the voice of Jesus because no one else can promise that. No one else can, can, can come true on that. And so we join Jesus With these, We take heed of these warnings, but also we we receive the hope of a a better promise of the future, that God is at work, that God's doing great things. He's got a plan to use us. God's got a plan, a desire to use each one of us. He's put gifts and good things in you. He's called you to be good and to do good, which is why he convicts us of our sins so that we'll leave it behind and do the good that he calls us to do. That's the beauty. We, We join God in his redemptive work. You know, we've got to, Make sure, you know, our city has been through a couple of years. We've been, at, received a, a shellacking as a, as a city and as a church as well. We've just, man, we, we've been through it. All kind of churches, I mean, churches in large have been through it. We, we can't see ourselves as just survivors trying to just hang on for bare life. We're just going to survive. But the, the, the changes in the culture or the effects of the pandemic or whatever. We can't just be surviving We've got to view ourselves as Jesus to say, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take on some suffering, to lay down my life for the, for the redemptive purposes of God. Because Jesus himself, was, the, was his mission actually, he was the only person born with the direct, intentional mission of laying down his life and so we're called into that as well. So the great story of Jesus is summed up in all the stories, all the stories, all the prophetic stories in the Bible and all other stories, all other stories that all cultures tell find their ultimate reflection and expression in Jesus. Let me tell you one very briefly. Former United States ambassador at large, it was ambassador for uh, international religious freedom and uh, his, name Robert, uh, his name was Robert Siegel, I think his name is Robert Siegel and Um, he tells a story of his father when his father was about 75 years old and his father at the age of 75 decided to plant a few very small fruit trees and Robert kind of mockingly, jokingly kind of said to his dad, he was like hey uh, what an optimist and uh, Kind of was making fun of him for it at the age of 75 to be planting small fruit trees. But then once his father had passed away, he realized he had a choice to make. And the choice was this, that when he would come home, he either could go up on the grassy hill where his father's grave was and kind of brood and feel sorrowful and think about his father who had passed away in and, and that sorrowful way. Or he could go to those fruit trees and he could eat the fruit of the trees that his father had planted. And he could think about the dad who had hope, even at the end of his life, still had optimism and hope and faith for the future, that he planted trees that he wouldn't see. This is how prophecy works, this is how God's word works, this is how Jesus, the prophet of prophet, works. Planting seeds, constantly planting seeds everywhere, all the time, all the seeds. God's been planting seeds in your life. He's planting all these seeds and they, some of them are coming alive right now. Some of them have been coming alive recently. And some of them are gonna, are gonna come alive in weeks to come, in months to come. Jesus, that's what, that's what prophecy is. It's seeds that are being planted that suddenly germinate and come to life. And you realize, oh, there's hope. I can have peace with God. I can be made right with my maker. Only through Jesus. Let's have the band come up. We want to respond to this. We want to sing to Jesus and respond to Jesus. If you don't know this grace, you don't know the work of God, you don't know the prophet of prophets, Jesus himself, come into God's family today. Respond today. If you need prayer today, come into God's family. uh, or Respond uh, today with a request for prayer. Seek prayer today. Seek whatever step you need to take. If you want to get more involved at Trinity, if you want to give in our Christmas offering, take a step. Take a step today. The, way, the main way, the biggest way you can respond is what Cole talked about during our, our announcements. We encourage people to text in the word enjoy to 94,000. There's, there's a way there to, to take some steps and respond to whatever step it is you need to take. Take that step today.